I'm Steph McGovern. Welcome to another episode of Let's Make the New Now, brought to you by Royal Bank of Scotland. Now, in this episode, we're going to talk about the tough conversations that business owners have had to have this year, because let's face it, COVID-19 has meant many SMEs have had to make really difficult decisions. So we're going to chat to two business people who have faced these problems head on. So with me, Houghton Armadi, who is Director of Shoe Restoration Service, Shoe Lab, and the founder of Experience Travel Group, Sam Clark. Sam, let me start with you. Hey, Steph. Do you know, I can't even begin to imagine the drama you have faced as someone in the travel industry this year. So, like, first up, how are you? Well, I'm still here, so um, that's uh, that's got to be counted as a good thing uh, from from where I'm sitting. Yeah, definitely. So, just tell me a bit more about your business then and where you op operate. So, Experience Travel Group. We're a, we're a travel company, but we specialise in Asia, and it's not kind of holidays where you know you just go and sit on a beach for two weeks. Although there's usually a beach element, and it's not about sort of ticking off the main sites. It's about really. You know, getting under the skin of the country, really smelling the smells and tasting the smells, meeting people, um, doing what we what we call revealing the fabric of the of the destination. Yeah, and then before the pandemic hit, how, how was business? It was good. It was good. I mean, you know, in travel, you often get situations when suddenly we heard the FCO. You know, it'd been scaling up and getting worse and worse and worse through February. We were getting very, very affected by it. And then through March, and you realise something's coming down the, the line at you. And then I think it was the, I don't know, the 20th of um, March or something, when the FCO advised against all travel to every destination. And as a travel company, you're like, well, you know, what what what, what do we do? Where do we go from there? You know, it's, it's just a completely unprecedented situation. Yeah. So I guess that meant pretty much overnight for you having to make some tough decisions. It did. So, I mean, we were navigating working from home like everyone else in the country. Um, we started planning for that early March. Uh, but at the same time as, as that was going on, we had to try and get all of our customers home from, from where they were. And we had airports closing. We had airlines cancelling flights, reinstating flights. We had clients who didn't want to come home. They said, well, you know, we're on holiday. We're in a lovely place. There's no problem. We're going to stay here. But we had to start taking the line that we don't know if we'll be able to get you home if you don't come now. Um, and I think in, in retrospect, we were right to take that because people got stuck for months in country. And at the same time as all that, we've got a lot of people booked on holidays in April, particularly over the Easter holidays. And we had to tell them all that, that they weren't going to be able to go. Also, at the same time, trying to persuade them to postpone as opposed to cancel. That's obviously in our favour in, in, in business sense, because we at least, you know, we don't get the revenue now, but we might get it down the track. But also... You know, all of our suppliers who are often small hotels or guides and freelancers all over Asia. Um, so at least they can get an idea that at one point they will get paid. Mm. They will get some of the business. The, the thing, when you explain all that, Sam, it just really makes you realise all the different stakeholders you've got and all and everyone having different needs and different explanation and information they need. So how did you manage all those different conversations? Yeah, that that's quite a astute question. We we do you you 
got three basic kind of stakeholders that you've got to manage. There's the suppliers on one hand, that's all your partners in country, um, and of course, and airlines and things like that. And there was a big credit crunch because people refused to let go of money. So you had to manage that side of things. Everyone, you know, cash was king in that situation. And then you've got the customers, um, obviously, and the customers need to be looked after. That's our first priority. Um, they need to be looked after in country. That's our, our sort of primary responsibility and also the people about to travel you know we've, we've got to service their needs they paid for a service and we need to we need to supply that but also of course our employees yeah. um you know the employees they were in an unprecedented situation just like everyone else um they were worried about their job they were worried about their career they're seeing that you know travels coming to a standstill and yet they've got to deal every day with 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 clients with suppliers etc so you know to manage all of that three is quite a balance so how did you do it i think i'm lucky in so far as we've got a really strong team and they're quite used to dealing with difficult situations for the clients and i guess their job the job of of all of us in 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 experience travel group or etg as we call it is to really understand people and to empathize with where they're coming from, what they want from their holiday primarily, and how we can make that kind of happen together, how we can make that sort of magic of travel. And in this situation, you need to go back to basics and really understand where your customers are coming from. You know, you can't fall back on trying to play the sympathy card because you need to understand that they're looking forward to a holiday and they're in a difficult situation and you've got to understand where they come from. And I think with with our um, employees, it's just a matter of being really, really clear and not trying to be overly optimistic um, or even overly pessimistic, but just very, very clear-eyed about what the situation is and what we need of them. It, it's really interesting because I'm interested to know how you kind of manage to motivate your staff to have difficult conversations with customers and suppliers at the same time as worrying about their own jobs so how did you keep like the morale in your staff well we did um a daily round round table zoom thing um so we every day we got everyone on on the screen and everyone went round and just said you know one thing about how they were feeling um, and one good thing about what happened today um, and one thing they found difficult and that was it. when we were right in the eye of the storm we found that you know really really invaluable I, I think it would have been you know, it'd be too much if if I suggested we're going to do it every day for the rest of the time but when we were in the eye of that storm it was really really useful mm -hmm. it was useful for me as as well as as well as all the team because um yeah, we were able to connect and, and just understand that everyone was finding it very, very difficult. And so do you think then, Sam, from the things that you brought in to help you during clearly a period of crisis, are there things, learnings that will stay in the business now in terms of, you know, how you talk to your staff or how you deal with customers or suppliers? Yeah, get out of travel and um, and, and not get back into it. But no, <laughs> there, de there definitely are. I think we've learned massively that, you know, or relearn the lesson really because I guess it was a lesson we knew already but just to you can't communicate enough you know you've just got to keep communicating and that goes with all three sides of the of the triangle as you, as as we talked about earlier the suppliers the customers 
and uh, employees and and really just making sure everyone's in the loop making sure everyone knows what the situation is being honest about the situation and talking and and that was yeah that was so so clear and i think our customers really responded well our customers were fantastically supportive for us you know so many postponing their trip to help us out really and i think because we were honest and we communicated a lot they were really open to that so that's definitely the the most important lesson yeah yeah and i think that's that's key for lots of businesses whatever industry you're in um it's still a sector which is constantly got change in it and uncertainty you know the travel rules are kind of changing on a weekly sometimes daily basis at the moment so what are your thoughts on the future for your industry like how you're feeling about things it is still really, really difficult. You know, there is no confidence in, in the market. They're just too worried to book trips because am I going to be quarantined? Am I allowed in? What's going to happen? A lot of our destinations in Asia at the moment are saying, look, we don't want UK visitors, um, full stop. So it's very open-ended. It's not like there's going to be a time we know when it's going to, when when demand is going to come back. Um, and I think we have to be realistic about that, that, you know, we're also facing a uh, pretty heavy recession. So the market is going to come back eventually, um, but it will come back smaller than it was in 2019. And we have to be really realistic about that at the moment. So, so let, then let's flip this on its head and talk about the positives, Sam. So what, what, what are the things you're kind of looking at and thinking, ah, this is going to be good for the industry. We've learned things that'll be good or they'll, you know, the, any kind of positives from all of it? Yeah, definitely. I. I listened to someone speak, um, you know, on one of these online seminars that everyone's doing recently, and uh, they said, you know, we really need to focus on the travel industry on being smarter and smaller because it is likely to be a smaller market and if we're smarter we can take advantage of the opportunities and that really resonated with me. So there's a couple of things that we're doing and one is, firstly, the key problem at the moment is confidence in mm -hmm. the market. What we want to do is talk about travel, we want to book travel, we want to start planning. We also want our suppliers, our contacts out there in, in Asia to be able to feel that business is going to come back at some day. So what we've tried to do is come up with a solution where we can de-risk the booking and planning process. So if you were keen to book a holiday um, or think about a holiday next year, we'll say, look, come and do that. We'll plan it with you. We'll go through all the normal planning. And what you can do is just pay a £100 deposit. So you're not risking anything. And even that is refundable um, if the trip wasn't to go ahead. But you can still do that planning. And, and that has a really positive effect on, on not just our employees, but also our suppliers and country. And it makes it that bit more likely we'll get the business once travel is ready again. So that's the first thing we're doing. The second thing is we've looked at our market and thought, you know, people have had a hard time, right, over the last six months. And, you know, people have, you know, struggled and it's been very difficult. And we think that travel is one of the ways um, that you can work your way through that. You can, you know, I don't want to say, you know, get better, but you can, you can, you can really start, you know, enjoying yourself again. And so we've looked at a new product which we're calling revitalize which is a much simpler holiday than we do normally it's you know probably just one or two stops um, but it's still in places that are really unique to that country or that place they're still really immersive you'll still feel like you're in the destination really in the destination but they'll be much more simpler and a bit more of a focus on kind of well-being and health so we're looking at that 
for as a as a product to launch you know as confidence comes back to the market yeah so then based on all of that and and what you've learned from everything you've been through what would your advice be to other travel companies you know, if I had any advice, it is that we do need to be aware that it, it, it is going to be a smaller sector. Um, I think we need to learn in terms of sustainability. I think there were elements that we've seen improved through lockdown. So things like over tourism, um, you know, things like too many people visiting one place at one time. And I think we need to come back smarter. Mm. Um, you know, we need to learn from things things like that and, and really improve from a sustainability perspective. And I think we've got an amazing opportunity to do so. Yeah. So what do you think other sectors could learn from your sector? I think it's other sectors could learn about planning, um, could learn from the could learn in terms of the ex expectation of a shock to happen because we are living in a more and more uncertain world um so the only kind of certainty is that there will be more shocks to the system there will be more problems we don't know what they are um you know it's donald rumsfeld's known unknowns we we know there's going to be something happening and i think the the travel sector is is very very good at, at preparing for that and making sure that they're ready for that and i think that there's a very high level of of looking after clients which is not always appreciated i think in in the market um you know travel travel has to do look after clients from a regulatory perspective, financial perspective, and just a people perspective in a, in a very, very um, high level way. Yeah, I think that's really fascinating. Thank you so much, Sam. Lovely to talk to you. But it's been my pleasure. Thank you. Have the last few months given you a chance to come up with a great business idea? Not sure where to start? Then try the Royal Bank of Scotland Business Builder. It's an online resource with everything you'll need to get your idea off the ground. From how to write a business plan to the intricacies of a cash flow forecast. It's all there. Just search Royal Bank of Scotland Business Builder. And let's make the new now together. Well, from shattered travel plans, we're now going to talk about an inventive shoe company. Uh, shoe Lab is a digital and postal-based company which brings old and untidy shoes, I have many of them, back to life through their thorough restoration service. And Hutan Amadi is a company director at Shoe Lab. Hello, Hutan. Hi, Steph. Tell me a bit about how Shoe Lab came about then. So a few years back, um, one of the current directors who's um, pretty shoe obsessed started it um, with a friend of his, just doing local pickups, cleaning shoes um, for, for almost a bit of pocket money. And the business kind of grew organically. And I got to know about it a year ago. A mutual friend of ours said that the guys were looking to make the business a little bit more kind of official, get a little bit more structure around it and, and grow it. And um, myself and my wife sent off 10, 15 pairs of shoes and they came back spotless. So um, we were sold. <laughs> and that's how really I got involved. It was, um, it, was, it was through that, really. I love the way you tested it first. Um, so can you just explain then, how does it work for customers? So basically, you um, go on the website. You, there's four options, men's shoes, uh, women's shoes, kids and boots. You pick the option, you print off, you pay for the service, you print off the label, put your shoes in a bag or a box, take it to a, a local DPD point and um, send it off. And a week later, it comes back, brand spanking news. So uh, clearly relying on the postal service, and I imagine 
it must have been tricky uh, in the height of lockdown, relying on the postal service. Well, it was, it was tricky to start with because we, we weren't doing a purely postal service before the lockdown. It was, it was still a lot reliant on local pickups and we were actually trying to change the business into a countrywide kind of, you know, postal pickup service through the uh, DPD points. And obviously with the lockdown, you can't have any interaction with anyone. So that side of the business kind of died down. I mean, it was a blessing in disguise. We started to develop that kind of drop-off service. And even then, a lot of the DPD points are local businesses, and, and they had obviously closed with, 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 with everything. So really, the business almost came to a halt in kind of the height of the lockdown. And, and it was quite difficult during that time, yeah. So you, you must have had tough conversations then. Tell us about them. Yeah, I mean, you've got to imagine the business really, although it's been running for a few years, it was running under a different brand, and it really it's been running for around a year or so. Um, so, so the guys that kind of started the business were, were really, really obviously upset. We just started to build a bit of momentum and it was, it was really difficult for them. I think ultimately they understood and we understood that, you, you know, you, things that you can control, you can control and things you can't, you just have to adapt. So we took that time, uh, we, we all had a meeting and we all took that time to see what positives we can get out of it and how we can come out the other side um, stronger than we were um, beforehand, but certainly speaking to, to people that are so passionate about the business and telling them that it's going to come to a halt and not knowing if it's going to, uh, you know, if it's going to pick up where you left off, the furloughing staff, it, it really wasn't easy. And I think everyone would agree it's much easier doing this on a face-to-face -face, um, basis. Usually you'd meet up, you'd explain to people, but doing it over, you know, Zoom and, and, and phone calls is, is not ideal. And that, I think, was what we found the hardest mm. part of it, really. Yeah, and, and so tell me a bit more about that, about, you know, when you're talking to staff that you're furloughing and, as you say, mm. you can't meet up with them, you know, what did you do to make sure that they were all right? I think the, the, the one thing we did is we made sure we had everyone on the line kind of, you know, similar time. It's not a huge company, so we were able to control it somewhat um, through, through Zoom. And it was really before speaking to people, coming up with ideas and plans as to how we were going to come out of this stronger than when we went into it. I think if people know that they're going to take and have a little bit of time off, but they're going to come back and their, their jobs are secure, I think that was really important to, to make sure that they, they knew we weren't making cuts nearly-willy. We were going to invest in the company. We, we promised to do that initially and grow the company. And I think when people know that potentially they're going to come back to something better and bigger and they're going to be something part of something that's going to be positive going forward, I think that makes a big difference. But it's not easy, I have to say. Yeah, and how did they take it when you were having these conversations? Do you know what? Because the, because everyone kind of involved is, is at a virgin stage in the business, they, they actually re, they're really understanding because they know that we want to grow the business going forward. I think perhaps if there were employees that had been in the job for 10 years and it was you know, just a job that they go to on a daily basis. I think it, perhaps they, they would have found it harder, but these are guys that are part of the company. We come to them for ideas. We come to them for feedback. Um, they, they are essential and integral part of it. So it was really actually a joint decision. It wasn't just us saying, listen, you're going to get furloughed or you're not going to do this or you're going to do that. We actually discussed it and, and, and that was kind of a mutual agreement between everyone. Hutan, what's your thoughts then and your tips on just not getting into that situation where you're having to have these tough conversations so like trying to not even get anywhere near to having to get rid of staff or anything else like that 
Well, I think with, you know, with this whole lockdown thing, it was a real, uh, you know, sucker punch. It's not something that anyone could have predicted. Then it came around and it's hit every single business. And I think the important things is, is to take lessons away from that. I think to have cash flow reserves uh, for people's salaries, especially over a certain period of time, um, to look at your PL and and really make sure that you have a comfort buffer of, you know, X number of months before you have to start uh, looking at making cuts um, going forward, and we've certainly now built that into the PNL, um, whereas we perhaps may not have before before the lockdown. To make sure that you know, good good people to work with are not easy, you know, to come by, and we've got really really good passionate people to work with us. And the last thing you want to do is to mess them around. And and really, we want to try and keep the staff, you know, for as long as possible and on the same contracts, etc. So I think that's the biggest thing for me. And then what about on the customer side? You know, how did you deal with the kind of communication with customers through all of this? So we're lucky because obviously it's mainly digital. Um, so we're really able to communicate with the customers quite easily. We actually use the time to build up our marketing, um, to, to use some influencer marketing, to change a digital strategy. So that for us has been actually a little bit of a blessing because, as I said before, the business was reliant on drop-offs and pickup points locally. And during this time, we've really managed to pin down a, a more countrywide service. And um, that's, that's helped us. So I think us being more of an online service now really helped with the communication with our customers. Yeah. And, and what about things now? How are they? Have you, you know, you've made the new normal. So what's it like now in being in it? Yeah, it's not too bad, to be honest. We've started to bring people back from furlough. The business has started again. Um, we're almost above where we left off, which is, um, which is great uh, in terms of kind of orders and sales. And, you know, it's, it's really sad to say, but in a, in a climate, perhaps when things are harder, businesses like us thrive more because people are less likely to go and spend maybe on a new pair of shoes, whereas they want their old ones uh, brought back to life. So we're actually seeing an upsurge in business, whereas others might be um, might be suffering. So we're quite optimistic over the next year or so. What can people who are watching, listening to this, take away from, from what you've learned? I think from my point of view, what I've always tried to do is I've tried to be light and profit maximising. So I, I try not to look at businesses or get involved in businesses who have small margins because I always think they're affected by uh, things really quickly. I try to get involved with businesses which are not so much affected by um, you know governmental decisions. So they're pretty stable. And, and to start light, I think if you're starting a business, if you can run it from home in the short term, do so, don't pay for an office. If you can if you can cut this, maximize your profits, understand your clients, understand what you're doing. And once you have a business that's that's going forward and thriving, yes, get investment, throw money at it and, and try and grow. I think the, the biggest thing that I've learned, and I've been through a few businesses that haven't worked as well uh, up until now, is really being going headfirst not, and not understanding my demographic and always thinking of the most positive case. Whereas really, when you go into something, I would advise people to look at the most positive case, you've always got to be positive, but think, okay, well, look, if this doesn't hit the target, if this doesn't happen, what then happens? Because, you know, when, when we start businesses, usually we, we start it off alone or with a friend or a, a colleague, but soon it, it becomes something bigger and we're relying on other people in terms of, uh, you know, salary, staffing, etc. And I think you've got to take all those things into consideration to make sure that whatever you're going to has an outcome and, 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 and succeeds, really. Yeah, and, and you briefly mentioned the, the future for, for Shoe Lab, but what about 
across the board in business? Like, what is it you think are going to be the businesses that do well? Like, what attributes do you think they're going to have? Well, I think it's the ones that can adapt really quickly. I think you've already seen a lot of people started working from home, a lot of people using technology a lot more. I think it's people that, you know, are going more digital. Um, the ones that are able to adapt to changes are, I think, the ones that will ultimately um, survive. I think, you know, there have been businesses that have been running for many, many, many years, and I think you really just have to be able to adapt to what gets thrown at you. And I think we're going to go more into the elk of, you know, working from home, um, having meetings, being able to motivate people to work from home. Often it's difficult to do that. Um, I think those are the things that people need to really take on board um, yeah. going forward. Yeah, Hutan, thank you very much. I really appreciate your time. Thank you very much. Bye. Do make sure you join us for the next episode of Let's Make the New Now, where we'll be looking at companies who've managed to find a gap in the market in 2020, which allowed SMEs to find opportunities to exploit them. That's what we'll be talking about. See you then. Bye-bye.